What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, our first Tuesday episode of the college lacrosse season. First Tuesday in-season episode, I should say. Uh, week zero happened last weekend. If you missed it, uh, Moser and Bellerman. Bellerman took that one. Was that um, nine to seven down in Macon, and then we had Denver uh, beat Utah nine to eight in Denver in their home opener, and that was the only two lacrosse games that we've had thus far in the college lacrosse season, and we'll have more this weekend. Um, a fairly sizable amount of games on the docket, and we'll talk about two. Uh, to end this show, but while the season is moving forward in many places and um, things are getting more and more underway with every passing second, um, there's still a lot of preseason stuff that we need to talk about, and that's going to be the case. Like The Mac, um, who has their full schedule out, all of those schedules are out for the Mac, um, even if Monmouth does not have it on the Website yet, we know what it is um, because they're going conference only. And if every team has their schedule out except for them, we already know what it is. And by the way, the MAC has the schedule for every team posted on the website. Uh, the Big East and SOCON only have one team each that have not released their schedule yet. Georgetown and Richmond, um, and then the Big Ten, and most of the other ACC schools, I've heard those schedules are coming out this week. Um, the NEC actually announced their plans to play today. And Bryant is the only one who's officially, like, press release and everything has put out their schedule yet. Um, but, you no. Know, and while we got that news, and we also got the news of Utah having zero COVID positives after the game uh, upon arrival back in Salt Lake City per Clint Kesnick, we also got some bad news on the other side of the country as the Yale Bulldogs have opted out of the season. And I want to be clear here. The Ivy League has not made a decision on whether they will play or not play college so spring sports in general this season. They did not play fall. They did not play winter. They were the first to cancel spring last year. They've not made a decision yet as to what they're doing in 2021 spring. But due to that, they are, and I've talked about this before, they put these players in a dilemma of do I enroll and maybe get a year of my eligibility get a year of my eligibility taken away when I'm when like we ain't even gonna have a season? Or do I not enroll and save that year of eligibility? Yale uh, did not have enough players enrolled to play. They did not have ten players enrolled to play. And T.D. Irwin is now 100% going to Denver. He will start on March 20th, I believe, is when he will arrive in Denver. Um, 
So TD to, to Denver confirmed. Andy Shea, I, I believe, mentioned it in a, a email to uh, alumni and stuff today. Um, per the Yale Daily News, and I know Inside Lacrosse had something on that as well um, about the email that Shea sent basically saying, yo, we're opting out because we don't have enough players. And we've heard Princeton and Harvard um, reports of them not playing, nothing official from the school yet. And, you know, when I asked, I basically was told by both schools, um, the Ivy League has not made a decision yet. Um, Well, I know that I'm talking about your school, not the Ivy League. Um, so basically, no comment um, is what I got from both of those schools when I reached out um, to them about the, about the uh, reports of them opting out. Um, so it's basically shutters you know, closed in Cambridge and Princeton. Um, but in New Haven, we have official report, Yale will not play. Um I do want to mention, I mentioned Bryant, their schedule came out, and Providence, they have their schedule out. They're in that Ocean State Cup with Brown. Brown is not on either of those schedules, so no Ocean State Cup this year, unfortunately. I think Providence won that last year, um, beating Brown. Uh, the week before, Brown went on to beat Virginia. Um, so, look. This whole thing with the Ivy and, and Yale opting out and all of that, um, I'm gonna like it's not Yale's fault, it's not the players' fault, it is the Ivy's fault. Like literally on my notes here, I have a big Ivy, Ivy's all at fault, and a big circle um, here next to my note of Yale opting out. Um, it is their fault. It is their fault that they put these players in this dilemma. Um, if you if you don't want to play, be scared. Don't play. Go hide in your shell like a scared little turtle, and don't play. If that's what you want to do, you can do that. But don't continuously say, "At this point, no things are going to have to change." At this point, things are going to have to change. You've said that what three times now. Just make a decision and go with it. And look, and 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 and, and, and I, I said this on Twitter today, and I full-heartedly mean this. Um, and I'm going to read you this. So I put this on Twitter today. Pretty pitiful day for Ivy League lacrosse. Supposedly the smartest people in the room, but can't figure out how to play when the majority of others are pathetic. That's what the Ivy League is. The Ivy League is a pathetic Joke of a conference. It's an absolute joke. Absolute joke. Yale, Cornell are both teams. And heck, Brown even had a chance. Penn was a... Like, you had a lot of really good teams in your conference. A lot of really good players in your conference. And to put those players in this dilemma of... Do I enroll? Do I not? What's going to happen? That's criminal. That is criminal. Y- you are trying to literally just take their money 
when they're not going to be able to do the thing they went there to do, play lacrosse. Yes, you get a fine, get a world-class education. But at the end of the day, you're, in air quotes here, student athlete. Notice that second portion of that word, athlete. I thought athletics was supposed to be part of the educational experience, is what y'all say in your ads all the time. But you can't play because of a little virus. That, oh yeah, by the way, isn't Yale, and I think some other Ivies, helping with the vaccine rollout? I wouldn't be surprised, I honestly would not be surprised if, and and I have no evidence of this, but if a lot of lacrosse people, especially lacrosse people, because the Ivy League has a bigger foothold in lacrosse than other sports, let's let's be real, don't trust taking the vaccine now. Because the same schools that are helping and aiding in this research and uh, rollout and stuff can't even figure out how to properly play athletics. You can't even properly figure out how to play a college lacrosse season. You can't figure out how to get kids back on campus at some schools. I mean, how embarrassing. Again, the smartest people in the room cannot figure it out. Absolute joke. It's an absolute joke. It is an atrocity. Um, And look, I I said before, this could have significant impacts on the Ivy League moving forward. How big, I don't know. And I think it will depend from, it will vary school to school, obviously. Um, But I think it could have a significant impact because they they have they have you know they are putting the uh, proverbial middle finger to the athletes and saying we don't care about you we never have we probably never will we just want your money just want your money y'all can't like y'all can't even come up with a bubble y'all have like millions and. Does anyone in the Ivy League have a billion-dollar endowment? I doubt it's a billion. I I might be wrong on that. But y'all have all this money, and y'all can't put together a frickin' bubble? Like, can you put together a frickin' bubble, have a, you know, a two-week-long Ivy League season in a bubble? I would watch that. I'd watch that. Have it on ESPN. If you need to go talk to somebody about how to do it, you got a, a Ivy League grad who is running uh, the PLL. They had a successful one. Go talk to Mike Rabel, uh, Dartmouth football grad. You know, go talk to those people. But you can't figure out how to play. It, it's absolutely embarrassing. It, it's 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 horrible for these for these players. I I, I feel for these players. Um. I was looking forward to watching Yale play this year, see how this offense can move forward, this offense um, with a lot of younger guys. You know, I don't know what the other teams are going to do. Um, I saw somewhere where it said Cornell doesn't have kids on campus. That That's that's tragic. I was looking forward to seeing Jeff Teed again this year. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I know some 
teams have. I think every Ivy has a 2021 roster up now, but you know we'll see. If somehow some of them get to play, um, I'll be happy. But it's it's just it's a travesty. It's a you know however you want to put it. It's just pathetic. It's a joke. It, it's a joke. It's a joke, and I'm done talking about it. Let's move on to our game previews for this week. And as I mentioned on the last podcast, I'm going to preview two games on, depending on the week um, and what the schedule looks like. I'll preview some games on Tuesday and some games on Thursday. So break it up uh, um, into two different shows. Um, And this week, what I'm going to do uh, we're going to preview the two games that Denver has this weekend today. And then on Thursday, we will preview Virginia Towson and Duke Robert Morris. So that's what we'll do on Thursday. We'll also talk a little uh, Bellarmine, Utah, and most of Ryan in there as well. Um, the other two games this weekend. So let's get in uh, here with Denver at Duke. So um, I, I, I want to read this quote from Quint Kesnick. I, I loved this, the way he put this in his um, his uh, preseason top 20 piece for inside lacrosse today. He said, it's uh, Lombardi versus Belichick. That, that, that is brilliant. Bill Tierney, John Donowski, the the old guard and the, the, the new, not upstart by any stretch, but the kind of newer dynasty, right? The old dynasty and the new dynasty. Bill Tierney had his dynasties at Princeton. And Duke, uh, John Donowski has now built uh, what, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to win the title this year. I think they're going to win a title, two, three titles in the next three years. Um, no joke. Um, they're that good. They're that deep. So you have the old versus the new, in essence. Um and you no, know, the biggest storyline coming into this game is Michael Sowers is back. We get Michael Sowers in a Duke uniform for the first time. I I cannot tell you how excited I am to see this. Um, this is just some names on Duke's offense. Michael Sowers, Nakai Montgomery, Joe Robertson transferring uh, from Princeton as well. Dyson Williams. That's just the tip of the iceberg, fellas. This offense, quarterbacked by Michael Sowers, is probably the... I mean, I don't remember an offense being this hyped up, ever. I don't remember a player being this hyped up, ever. A debut being this hyped up, ever. Oh, and they got some freshman named Brennan O'Neill in there as well, who, from what I've read, looks like he's going to get some playing time. Um, early on, and we'll see. We'll see how he does. Um, so this Duke, this Duke offense, we know is just lethal. It's just lethal. Um, it, from every which way, and I've broken it down multiple times on this podcast, and I'm not going to do it again. But just front to back, just it will kill you. Um, now we'll see how things look. In game one, I'm interested to see that. We saw Denver struggle a bit in game one. Um, so we'll see how things go. I would not expect a full-fledged um, you know, drubbing in this game. I think Duke's going to win. 
I think Duke's the better team, the more talented team front to back. But I wouldn't expect a no uh, 15 goal game. Like, I don't expect that. I'm hoping somebody eclipses 10 this week. Somebody eclipses 10 this weekend. Um, so that that's kind of the Duke side of it offensively. Now, defensively, you have Mike Adler transferring in from St. Joseph's to make his start in cage. And then you have JT Giles Harris returning um, to lead that defense. Uh, no, he's top defenseman in the country. So... Front to back, again, this is the most talented team in the country. I don't think anyone can question that. Um, it's going to be tough for Denver to to beat this team. Um, it was 15-13 to 13 last, last year. Uh, Duke won, and it, it was a pretty solid game for both teams. Um, Duke obviously took it. We'll see if they can take this one. And I, I, I think, as I said... The offense, Michael Sallows, that's the biggest storyline coming in this game, hands down, the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Um, on the Denver side, you know, we saw last weekend with their offense, and their defense looked fine um, last week, and, and they were able to limit Utah. And Utah, like I went back and watched that game. Utah got a lot of good looks. They had a lot of good cuts going, and Denver was just continuing – uh, to hedge and just shutting that Utah offense down, um, especially early on. So I thought they did a good job there. Um, and I mentioned that Denver offense is pretty young, and they didn't have Colin Squires. We'll see if Colin Squires is back for this game. Um, if he is, I think that's a big boost. And I think you put him on Michael Sowers um, because a few years ago, uh, was that last year or two years ago? Uh, where we had Princeton and Denver. And, yeah, that was two years ago, Princeton and Denver. And uh, Colin Squires, you can go watch it on YouTube. Just type in Michael Sowers, Colin Squires, and there's a whole film breakdown of that matchup. Really good matchup, by the way. Um, So we'll see if he's healthy. I expect them to put him on Michael Sowers. If not, um, and I'm going to mention this guy in the UNC preview here, but Malik Sparrow is the LSM. They put him on Chris Gray last year. Now, Chris Gray is no Michael Sowers, but he's got some pretty quick feet as well. And Malik Sparrow, as a freshman, he didn't hold him scoreless, and they didn't put him on, they didn't put him on uh, Gray until like the second half, I believe. Um, and he did a pretty dang good job as a freshman. So who's not to say they put Sparrow on Sowers, but that's going to be the, the biggest question defensively for Denver coming into this game. Um, I mentioned the offense, and Walker, Hannah, and Morrill were kind of the – they were the main three to you know, last week in the win over Utah, but things didn't get going until – and so uh, – late in the game, like, second quarter, I believe Walker had that goal, and that was the only goal of the first half. So uh, we'll see if they can get going quicker here on offense. I would hope they get going quicker because if they don't, this could get 
And again, I don't think any game's going to be a blowout these first couple weeks, but it could it might be ugly um, if they don't get going quick here. We could see the same kind of stagnant offense that we saw against Utah. At the faceoff dot, Alex Stathakis has got to play better for Denver. I think he is a better player than Dan O'Connell, a Holy Cross grad transfer. Jordan Gender, who's a, see, a sophomore. And then Jake Nassau, we'll see how much time he gets as a freshman. I think Alex Stathakis is a better player than, both the, than all three of them dudes. We'll see how he does in uh, this game because that's going to be crucial. Like he, that was a big part of their game the other day and why they were so slow and so stagnated is they couldn't get anything going. Transition-wise, I want to see them get more transition. That obviously starts on the defensive end. Uh, we'll see if they can get that as well. But it's going to be a tough one to beat this Duke team just looking on paper. Um, but again, first game of the season, Duke has a tendency to lose the first to lose one or two in February. Is this the one they lose? I don't think so. But you never know. And it's going to be a pretty good one um, if everyone comes out as good as advertised um, on both sides. It's going to be a good one on Friday. Uh, that one will be on ACC Network. Denver at UNC will also be on ACC Network 11 a.m. on Sunday. So Denver gets a day off on Saturday and then heads to Chapel Hill down the road to play the Tar Heels. It was also a 15-13 loss for Denver last year. Um, Denver had to come back in that game. As I mentioned, all the things I mentioned about the Duke game pretty much apply here. Get your offense going early. Stathakis has got to uh, Stathakis has got to, you know, find his rhythm and and and, and play good. I UNC, I, I don't necessarily I'm not keen on what their faceoff situation is. I didn't write it down in my notes. I probably should have, but I assume Stathakis is the better of the two. Um, you know, one of the top freshmen last year at the faceoff dot. We'll see how that happens. Um, I mentioned Malik Sparrow. And again, if Colin Squires is back, put him on Chris Gray. Um, do they put Malik Sparrow on Chris Gray again like they did last year? Well, if Squires is not healthy, uh, we'll see how that shakes out. So Denver, pretty much everything applies here that applied against Duke. is like just come out strong and don't – I mean, j- just don't do what you did. I mean – what was it against Utah? They took like 12, 13, 15 shots before they even got a goal. Like, j- be smart. Just come out loose and, and play how you know how to play. Um, UNC, you know, this is a team that has a lethal offense. Chris Gray, Nikki Solomon, who I who I like to call the Alpharetta Assassin. Uh, he's from Alpharetta, Georgia. Uh, just uh, about 50 minutes, 30 minutes north of Atlanta. Uh, Alpharetta, Georgia is where Nikki Solomon hails from. So I, I coined the name last year, Alpharetta Assassin, or the Alpharetta Assassin. Um, so I'm looking for that offense, see how they can get going um, again with Chris Gray. And then on defense, Canton Johnson, Will Bowen, both back. Johnson and goal. Uh, Bowen as the leader 
at close defense. I think this is a pretty good North Carolina team. I think this is a team that, um, you know, a lot of people have ranked pretty high coming in the season. I still want to see a bit more from them. I know what they did last year, 6 and 0. Um 6 or 7 and 0. I think it was 6 and 0. Um and they didn't really play anybody besides Denver, um who they essentially blew out in the first quarter and it, Denver got a bunch of garbage time goals, but uh and kind of forced a comeback, but they still got the 15 to 13 win. So and UNC returns a bunch of dudes on offense. Um Returned some dudes on defense. I mentioned Johnson and Bowen. So we'll see how things turn out there um, for for UNC. If they how crisp they come out. I mentioned this again, like week one, week two, week three, week zero, as we saw last weekend. Teams aren't going to be very crisp. You've had practically a year off. Uh, North North Carolina did scrimmage high point on Saturday, so I assume that's going to help them. Maybe uh, maybe shake some rust off. Uh, oh, that helped them shake some rust off, and they shouldn't be as rusty um, as some teams were last weekend um, and as rusty as Duke might be, um, especially with Duke having uh, more new players, I believe, than UNC does um, on the roster in terms of transfers, uh, key at key positions um, especially. So it's going to be an interesting weekend of College Lacrosse, and we have more to preview on Thursday. As I mentioned, we'll preview Virginia and Towson and Duke and Robert Morris on Thursday's show, as well as talk a bit Bellarmine, Utah, and Mercer, Lenore Line, um, as well as any other more schedule news, which I assume is coming out here pretty shortly. And by shortly, I mean in the next few days. Uh, we should get Big Ten and some more ACC schedules coming out this week, as well as some more officially announced NEC schedules because we don't know um, the non-conference portion of a lot of these teams. So that is it for today's show. Um, again, I mentioned we'll see y'all back on Thursday. Again, thank y'all for tuning in. As always, you can find us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. At Tanner underscore Dimling is my personal. You can reach us, contact at lacrossebucket.com. Lacrossebucket.com is the website. Um, and before we go, I, I had someone ask me if I could do some kind of content preview um, each uh, once or twice a week of what's coming up on the site. So I do want to mention uh, it is Black History Month. February is Black History Month, so we have a series coming out, Black Lacrosse Stories. Um, and basically what I'm doing there is giving some notoriety, uh, no, not notoriety, but um, highlighting some players that maybe we don't talk about enough, African-American players that we don't talk about enough. Um, you know, By the time you all listen to this, Sid Afanafi, that one will be out. Um, we have a bunch of others coming out. We'll be out uh, every Tuesday and Thursday during the month of February. We'll have another article highlighting a uh, notable black lacrosse player. Uh, more so from, I kind of had a cutoff date of like 2005, 2006. So like I'm not talking about Kyle Harrison 
Jim Brown. Um, we all know those guys. This is guys that you don't hear often about and that a lot of the younger generation probably doesn't know about. Um, so that is what I'm doing with the Black Lacrosse Stories uh, series here in Black History Month. Again, y'all have a great rest of the week. I will see y'all on Thursday.